Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Good morning, Church at the Well. So we we had scheduled four weeks for our sermon series, Continuing uh, uh, Finding Home. Uh, And I'm going to be actually adding a fifth week because um, a few years ago, Adam and Abby added a fifth week to Advent. Even though if you follow the liturgical church calendar, you will know there's no such thing as a fifth week in Advent. And I fought hard um, for historical orthodoxy, but... uh, we believe in team ministry here, and so I, uh, I didn't fight too hard on it, but I bring it up a lot. Um, so I'm adding a fifth week to our sermon series, and I'm going to be continuing our conversation um, uh, around this idea of finding home and exploring the theme as the church as home. Now, uh, when I use the word church, what I mean is I mean a community of Jesus followers who are practicing the way of Jesus together and who are thirsting. They're looking for the life that Jesus gives. And I want to explore this idea of how God desires for us to find a a home within a community of believers and not only to find a home, but to create a home for the world around us. And so my goal this morning is not to convince you that our church is the perfect church. That's not my goal. Um, And that this church is where you will find that place of home. That's not my goal in this morning's sermon, but rather to talk about God's desire um, to find a church home, uh, that we would find a church home within a community of believers, okay? Um, And so let there be no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Our church is not a perfect church. Our church is a messy church. Uh, I, I heard a pastor once respond to a critique that, that the church, the larger church in general, is just a, a, a bunch of, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. The church is a bunch of hypocrites, to which the pastor replied, yes, we are, but um, we're, we're like hypocrites in recovery, right? Um, and so that's the goal. We're, we're all gathering around this idea that, yes, messiness is a part of it because people are a part of it, right? There's a proverb uh, that, the, that Solomon recorded in the book of Proverbs, and it reads this. Where there are no oxen, the barn's clean. Where there are no oxen, the barn is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Peculiar um, to bring up while talking about a church home, but I've always loved the implications of this wisdom saying for a community of faith. Because you might be able to reword that proverb and say, where there is no people, the church is clean. The church is clean, but people are what make the whole thing worth it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, And so if you missed the sermon a couple weeks ago, you need to get caught up on the podcast. We have a podcast. You can listen to it on our website or anywhere you listen to podcasts, but Adam preached a fantastic sermon on our forever home, heaven and new creation. So this is a couple weeks ago, and Adam explored this biblical idea that God is restoring, reconciling, and renewing the world. And a part of that world that God is reconciling and and renewing 
is humanity. We're made up in that new creation that God is restoring. So God's not abandoning it. Um, and that there's something that's happening. Something has been accomplished and inaugurated through the life, the work, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That there's a new creation bursting forth in the midst of this one. And that we're invited into that new creation to participate in that. And so that was a couple weeks ago. And then last week, Adam preached a sermon also about finding a home church. And he brought up uh, four questions to ask yourself when you are finding a home church. And again, uh, same kind of thesis to start the sermon was Adam Adam mentioned in his sermon. Uh, I listened to the podcast because I wasn't at church last week. Um, But Adam mentioned, he's like, you know, my goal isn't to convince you that this is the church that you should belong to, that each unique expression that God has placed within a, a, a city or a state um, that is preaching the gospel, that, that God has actually shaped and molded each church community, each local church to be a unique expression of the kingdom of God. Um, and so these were just questions to ask um, for those of us who are on that journey. And so this morning's sermon is kind of a continuation actually of both of those conversations that Adam started. Now, here's the best reason I can give you for why you should find a home within a community of faith. The Bible's clear that the church is a primary vehicle. It's something that God is using in his plan to restore, reconcile, and renew the world to himself. Now, the Bible's clear that the church isn't a burden that God is going to work around in his plan to restore the world through Jesus. God has actually built the church into the fabric of his plan and in his work of restoration. If you don't believe me, I have a verse from Ephesians 3 uh, where where Paul says very clearly, um, kind of communicates this idea. Uh, Starting in verse 7, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Sometimes Paul gives us a lot of words. Hang out with me for a moment. Who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And so Paul says that, that, to make, that he's been given this grace to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which it's been, it's been hidden in the past. The God who created all things, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Speaking of, of Christ's redemption, restoration, and reconciling work through his life death, and resurrection. Now, to me, that's a humbling thought that God believes in the church so much in all of her messiness that 
she's still a part of his plan in restoring and renewing a broken world. Now, this doesn't mean that the church can't get messy, that things don't get messy. And I'm sure we've all seen, um, and many of us have probably experienced intimately, um, the, the pain that can be experienced in the community of faith. I'm not going to have you raise your hands for that one. Um, but for some of us, to hear a word, just to hear a word encouraging us to find a home within a church community that might bring up all sorts of hurt and pain within us. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and if that's you, first, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's been your experience. I, I've seen it, and I know the pain that, that that can come through the messiness that we uh, can experience in a community of faith. Um, and that whatever brokenness or hurt or pain that, that's come your way, that it, it's not, that's not God's desire for you to be framed by that pain and that hurt. Um, that, that's not what God wants for you. God's desire and plan for you is that you'd experience restoration reconciliation, renewal, that, that that same new creation, that same forever home that was inaugurated through the work of Jesus that Adam preached a couple weeks ago, that that same renewal, that's God's desire for you, that that new creation would, would be birthed inside of you and you would become a reflection of Jesus's good work, good news, gospel bursting forth right here in the midst of our world, but in, in you as well, um, body, soul, and spirit. So Jesus told a story in Luke 10, which I'd like us to turn to for a moment, um, starting in verse 25. So if you have your Bible with you, we'll also have this on the screen for you as well. And um, it starts it, with a conversation that Jesus has with a, a devout religious man who had a question for Jesus. And so let's start reading verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law, the Bible, essentially, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. Y'all, don't do that while I'm preaching. Don't stand up and yell at me. Actually, if you want to, I don't, maybe. Um, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. He wanted, okay, Jesus kind of made me feel a little like that was a dumb question. So he wanted to just, justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And when Jesus replies, he replies with an incredible parable. And it's probably one of the more well-known parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. How many of you are familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan? So verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So to a Levite, who was a, a, a part of the tribe, or uh, the priestly tribe as well, uh, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where this man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, he can't even say it's Samaritan because it's so shameful to him. He says, the one who had mercy on him. Because this, this man could not believe that someone who was unlike him um, could have been characterized as the hero in the story, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, there's a lot we could unpack here. Um, we, we could probably do a whole four-week sermon series that turns into a five-week sermon series on this parable. Uh, but I want to focus in on one of the ways this parable has been interpreted um, because it's been... Um, helping frame this parable for me over the last few weeks as I've prayed about and thought about this sermon. Because perhaps the most common takeaway and teaching centered around this parable is uh, kind of like a moralistic uh, interpretation of this parable, right? Which is, we should be good people, like the Samaritan was good. Like, that's the takeaway. Um, it's like where we get phrases like he or she they're a good Samaritan, or phrases like, we should be a good Samaritan. Um, that's good. That's a good takeaway. There's nothing wrong with that takeaway. But I, I think that this parable is actually much deeper than that. And actually, a lot of scholars have posed the possibility um, that, that one of the ways to read this parable correctly is for the reader to enter into this parable is not to... to enter into as the Samaritan, but is actually to enter into this parable as the one who has been beaten and robbed and left half dead on the side of the road. And, and, and many of these scholars would actually consider Jesus to be the Samaritan in the story. Th think, think about the parallels between Jesus and the Samaritan for a moment. The, the Samaritan, he's an unlikely hero in the story. In the Gospels, we encounter Jesus, who is revealed as Messiah, but he is revealed as Messiah in a way that no one expected. Born in Bethlehem, from Nazareth, from a nobody family. Um, he didn't come from wealth and status and with uh, military might in the way that many expected Messiah to come. The Samaritan goes to great length and expense of his own to bring healing and restoration to the man. Jesus pays the highest cost on the cross, his life, to bring healing, salvation, and restoration 
to humanity, to the world. The Samaritan doesn't leave the man on his own upon his departure. We uh, read the Apostles' Creed today, and we, we spoke of Jesus' ascension and his giving of the Holy Spirit. Jesus does not leave us alone in his ascension to the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit, and he promises to return to see this healing work that he started through to completion. With this in mind, this reading of the parable, I'd like us to notice one more thing in this parable. The place the Samaritan brings the wounded man is an inn. In the ancient world, when you're traveling between towns and cities, it could be incredibly dangerous. There were robbers. There were people who would harm you on your journey. You're essentially out in the wilderness and not the friendly long trail here in Vermont. Um, and there were these inns that were set up along the way, on the journey between towns. And the inn would have been a place for hospitality along the way, a place where travelers could find rest and safety from the road. And so as, as we think about this parable and as we wrap up this morning, a question, what if the church is the inn? What if our church could be like the inn? What if our church could be like the inn? It's Jesus who does the work of healing, restoring, renewing, reconciling, but we are invited to be participants in that work. And of course, that means we are lifted up by Jesus. We are saved by Jesus. We are renewed by Jesus, restored ourselves and invited in to healing, but we're, we're also invited to, what if we're invited to become the in as well? Now, I don't know if our church, Church at the Well, our unique expression of the kingdom of God here in Burlington, Vermont, I don't know if that's the place where you're going to find a home church. I don't know if this will be your home, and, and even it is, our ultimate home is in God's fully restored and redeemed world, our forever home, which Adam preached about new creation, right? But what if in the process, what if along the journey, God is building us into a new creation people, a community where God's love is shared and reflected to one another? We do that with one another. That's why um, I've come to prefer some of in, in many ways, the church model that we got to experience at Letty and over some of the weeks at Higher Ground where we could move these chairs and see one another and pray for one another and share God's word with one another, it's a lot better than y'all just staring at me, right? So I have to trim my beard. I don't know. Anyways. One of my prayers for our church is that we would be a place where people can find rest and safety as God's good news of restoration, salvation, and healing is announced. That the church would be an inn along the way, an inn along the way. In the Great Commission, 
uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus instructed his followers. He said, therefore, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them all I have commanded you. Um, And one of the most beautiful ways I've heard this, and you've probably heard me say this before if you've been around Church of the Well for a little bit. One of the favorite ways I've heard this um, great commission interpreted by scholars is that when Jesus is inviting his disciples, his followers, his students to go out into all the world, baptizing them. Now, of course, the actual process of water baptism is a part of that, but also um, when he says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that one of the ways this could be interpreted is that it's the church's job, the church's commission, right, to immerse others and one another in Trinitarian community and love. What on earth does that mean? The Bible teaches that each and every one of us is made in the image of a triune God. The Bible also teaches that we're fractured and broken through sin, and the gospel is that God is restoring us through Jesus. And so as Adam taught a couple weeks ago, we aren't saved to become disembodied souls in some other place at some, at some other time in the same way we aren't saved onto ourselves. We're saved into community. So this biblical teaching that we're made in the image of a triune God means we're made for community. A community, and this is, this is where we go back to the Great Commission, the same calling that we are invited to immerse others in Trinitarian community and love. The, the, um, the biblical teaching that we are made in the image of a triune God means we're made for community, a community where the same love the same fellowship that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit. Selfless, infinite generosity and love given to one another. That a community where that same love can ex- be experienced in our messy brokenness. God invites us to be reflections of Imago Day to one another. And all of our messy brokenness. Now, Many of you wouldn't know this, but a part of our church story, the story of our church, is the genesis in, we were once named a different name. We were actually once named two different names, became one name, Um, Mosaic. That's a story for another time. You want to have coffee, I'll tell you that story. But this this name, Mosaic, uh, it was inspired by this idea that the church is made up of a group of individuals who, like shards of broken glass that have unique broken edges, um, that God is bringing all of us together, fitting our broken pieces together to create something beautiful. I've always loved that image of a church community that God is inviting to bring together. And so um, when we go out into the lobby um, to have communion, we're actually going to participate in a, a creative, prayerful reflection activity. I don't know what to call it. Y'all will get the um, directions out there um, where we're going to have the opportunity to be reminded that God is inviting us to not only be restored 
as individuals, but that we're being restored into a community where we can reflect Imago Dei to one another and become an in prayerfully, that we would prayerfully and hopefully become an in where we're able to find rest and healing and where we can invite others into rest and healing and announce the good news of Jesus's salvation. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite Adam up for any final dismissal instructions out into um, the lake lobby. Um, But let's pray. God, we thank you that you believe in your people, that you are bringing together through the work of Jesus and through faith in Jesus um, into restoration, salvation, renewal, reconciliation, that you don't leave us on the side of the road, but that you cross to our side of the road. You pick us up and you bring us uh, into healing into a place where we can find safety and rest and healing. Help us to not forget that work. Help us to not um, forget that it it was you who carried us. Um, And as you do, um, that you invite us to become a people who become an in along the way, who as we experience your healing, that we also can become a place where others experience the healing that you are offering. And we hear your call to be reflections of who you are, the same love that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit that you um, invite us to reflect the Imago Dei, the image of God to one another. And so may we become that church and may may your Spirit knit us together in all of our broken messiness, in a way that only your spirit can do. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.